Man, if that don't pump your chili, you need to stir it every once in a while. You know what? That's the great I am. You betcha. Brian, lead us, please. Yes. Worthy is the name of your son, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blood on the dog right now. I thank you, Lord, for where the spirit of the Lord is, the freedom, that he has your freedom. You've set him free of sin. You've established him in your righteousness. So, Lord, I thank you. You're just letting me, uh, all that you want him to be here this morning, to speak out your word in season, Father. And, Father, anoint our ears to hear Plant your word deep in our hearts, Lord, and transform us into the image of your dear Son. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Uh, We'll be in John 10, if you want to turn there. The title of the message, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. In Exodus 3, and you know this story from long ago. But God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. And God was telling Moses, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt to bring my people out of there. And Moses, not for sure what to do, and he finally asked God the question, well, if they ask me by what authority do I have to tell the king of Egypt to let your people go? And God told him, just tell him, I am who I am. Well, what does that mean? I am who I am. It means he is God Almighty. It means he is holy. There is none like him. He is unchanging. He is faithful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere. He is God and no one else is. He's the one who deserves our worship. The one that we bow down and submit to him is the great I am. And that's what that song was just about. There is none. There is none greater than him. He was, the Bible says, before Abraham. And we know he was before time was ever thought about. He was there, and so was his son Jesus. And when we look at the great I am today, we're going to look at Jesus also is the great I am. There are seven I am statements in the book of John where Jesus declares, I am. I am, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the true vine. And today we're going to land on I am the door of the sheep. Seven statements that Jesus says that I am, and you find them all in the book of John. You know, sheep are interesting creatures. Sheep are totally dependent upon the shepherd. Sheep can't think for themselves almost. 
sheep are hard to train and, and are just not very smart and don't take the training very well. They say sheep, eyesight's not very good. Their ears are not very good. They say they have no form of protection. They have no defense in them. I mean, they have no camouflage where they can hide in the weeds. They have no hoofs to protect themselves. They, they have no horns to protect themselves. They are just defenseless without the shepherd. They say that they wander off and go all kind of different directions, not even thinking that they have been lost. And, of course, you know the parable that Jesus spoke. He left the 99 to go find the one that wandered off. I mean, that's what he does. He gets, they get frightened easily. They get confused easily. They're just not a very smart animal. And I got to think, I hate to paint a too bad of a picture, but, but they're really kind of bad in their characteristics <laughs> of how they are, how God formed them, okay? <laughs> they, they really, y'all got that, and I like that. <laughs> they need a shepherd in order for them to survive. Well, we, we find out what a shepherd is. He has a very difficult job, doesn't he? A shepherd is constantly watching out for the sheep. They are making sure that they have enough food to eat and enough water to drink. Here again, if one wanders off, they go and get them. They are expected to lay down their life for the sheep. Did you know that? When they have a big herd of sheep and, and some varmint comes up, some predator, a lion, a tiger, a bear, oh my, and they come, it is the shepherd's job with his staff and his bare hands to protect those sheep. And sometimes they don't make it. It's a, it's a tough job being a shepherd. At night, they say, what the shepherd does, he, he rounds up the sheep puts them in kind of a temporary bin, if you would. That's called a sheepfold. So they get them all together, get them all set. And then they create one door in this sheepfold. And this one door is not very wide. And at night, what they do is the shepherd lays across the door. So if anything wants to get in and get the sheep, they got to go through the shepherd. And if any of the sheep want to get out at night, they got to go through the shepherd who is laying across the door. I found that very interesting. And if you stop and think about it, that's kind of the way we are as sheep, okay? We wander off and do a few things we're not supposed to. Sometimes he has to come and get us. The parable that we're going to look at today in John 10 We'll remind you that when, when Jesus is talking about the sheep, he's talking about people. He's talking about humanity. He's talking about you and I. And when he talks about the shepherd, he's talking about himself. So just as we go through here, I just want you to be mindful of that. And I believe it, this will speak to us today. Let's look at John 10. Uh, I want to read 7 through 11 to kind of get you a picture of, of what the lesson is, and then we will kind of pull some stuff out of there. Starting in verse 7, it says this. 
So Jesus said to them again, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life, a life more abundant. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Amen. You bet. Three things I want to pull out of here real quickly. And I hope today's message will honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jesus as the shepherd and what does he do for us. Let's look at verse 7 again real quickly. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. First thing I want you to see today is Jesus is the only door for the sheep. He is the only way to God. I want you to understand that Jesus is the only way to God. You notice there right off the bat, he says, truly, truly, or verily, verily. That's just a sign of importance. Jesus is saying, what I am fixing to tell you, boys, is really important. I want you to understand that. And he says, you know, the only way to get in God's sheepfold, if you would, is through Jesus. You see, there's no other way to get to God but through Jesus. You want to feel and experience the presence of God? You got to do it through Jesus. I, I like the first song that we sing. Are you in the presence of God? What a sweet song. I, I hope in your life you understand what it means to be in the presence of a holy God. Where you just soak up who he is in your life. You can't be in God's presence without going through Jesus, the doorway to him. You wanting God's acceptance in your life. You get that only through Jesus. You might want salvation in your life. And you think, man, I, I, gotta, I, I need something here. That only comes through Jesus. You say, I need forgiveness of my sins. I want to be cleansed from my unrighteousness. And you try all kind of things in your life to get that done. And you find it's impossible to do it. Because there's only one way that you can have forgiveness and cleansing. And that's through the door of Jesus. You say, I want to go to heaven one day. Well, I applaud you for that. But there's only one way to get to heaven. And that's through Jesus. You say, I want eternal life. Only through Jesus. You say you want to, uh, you want to be satisfied with in life. Only through Jesus. You say, boy, I'd sure like to have fellowship with God. You know, you know the one that created this, and I know there's a higher being, and, and, and sometimes they call him all kinds of names. And you say, man, sometimes I'd just like to just talk to God. The only way you're going to be able to talk to God is through Jesus. Because you see, we're not acceptable to God in our sinful state. And until he changes us, until he gives us 
his righteousness and he takes our sins, we're not acceptable to him. Because you see, holy God can't deal with a sinful man. The only way he can do that is through his son, Jesus. You must go through the door of Jesus in order to be in the presence of holy God. John 14, 6 says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes through the Father but by me. See, that's a biblical verse that, that backs up what I just told you. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says it this way. He says, for there is only one God, medi- a mediator between God and man. And that person that stands in the gap from us and from God, who? who? Jesus Christ. Who intercedes for us, the Bible says daily. Who when the enemy accuses us before the Father, he says, Father, they're mine. Yeah, they did what you're telling them. Yeah, they did all that. But you know what, Father? I paid the price. They accepted me and I paid their price. I've covered their sins. Don't get no better than that, boys and girls. He is our mediator that stands between us and God. Ephesians 2.18 says it this way. For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through him, through Jesus, we have access to the Father. Without Jesus, we, we will never be able to get to the Father. Second part of that verse, it says this, by saying, I am. Where Jesus says, I am the door. I am. What is he saying? He's saying that I am God in the flesh. I am God who came from heaven, and now I'm walking around in no so earth. He is declaring that he is deity. He is the second person in the Trinity. You understand that? He is equal to God. He does not take a back seat to the Father. He is equal in every form, every fashion of the Father. And when Jesus said this, when he gives us these I am statements, you could just see the the hair on the back of those Pharisees' head curl up. Because you see, they understood what Exodus 3 said. They understood that in Exodus 3, when God said, I am who I am, he was declaring himself God. He is God. And now Jesus is doing the same thing. And you will find when he says, I am, they could not stand it and they began to plot to kill him. Jesus is the great I am along with his father. Jesus is the only door to God. In verse 8, we read these words. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear their voice. False prophets, false teachers, false doctrine, false pastors, you just name it. He calls them thieves and he calls them robbers. Those aren't very nice words, are they? Because you see, when a false false pastor comes and a preacher comes and he's not preaching the right gospel... When he says, I got a new way. I've come across this new vision of how to do it. I've come across a new religion, a new work ethic, a new doctrine, a new concept. And they say, you got to do this. You got to believe this. You got to give this. Jesus said, they're just thieves and robbers. 
they come with you that says God is love. He would never condemn anybody to hell. And that basically is a true statement because you choose that to go there. They will say, whatever you believe, you just need to believe and be sincere about it. Sincerely believe whatever you choose to believe. They will tell you all you need to do is to try to be a good person. Because everybody's going to heaven. We all know that. Not. Give a little more to the ministry so that God can bless you financially. Jesus says those folks are thieves and robbers. You see, those folks want to steal your possessions and they want to steal your money. Give a little more, sow a seed of faith, put another thousand in the offering plate and just sit back and watch how God will bless you financially. I hope you never give for that. To give so that God would bless you. You give to give back to God, not to get some financial blessing. Yes, if he chooses to, he will. But your motivation, you see, comes from the heart. And the Bible says, God knows your heart. He knows, he knows why you give what you give. You give so that he'll give back to you financially. Good luck with that one. You give because you love the Lord. You give because you want to give. You give because you want to give something back. That's a different story. That's a heart issue, you see. But your false prophet, your false teachers want to steal your money and your possessions and tell you, plant a seed, watch God bless. They're also thieves and robbers because they want to steal your mind. They want to steal your mind. They want to fill your mind with stuff that's not right, that's not biblical. In a sense, they're acting just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And they twist the gospel. They twist Are you sure God said that, Adam? Eve, are you sure? And they twist the gospel and they sit, they tell you stuff that that the Bible says wants to tickle your ears. To make you feel good, to help your self-image and your self-confidence. And yet they never speak about the true gospel that Jesus died and rose again. And that every person on the face of the earth is a sinner who needs a saint and who needs a savior. You see, they want to steal all that from you. That's why Jesus said, these guys really are thieves and they really are robbers. Because they're out to take you down, if you would. We also know in Matthew 7, he also called them ravenous wolves. He wasn't too kind, too nice to them, were they? Thieves and robbers and ravenous wolves. You just, in your mind, I, I pictured a, a pack of wolves that have killed something and now they're eating And they're just going nuts over that to try to get as much food as they can. That's a picture of a ravenous wolf, I think, that Jesus talks about. The last part of that verse, I love the last part of that verse because it proves who the real sheep are. And it says, the last part of eight says, but the sheep did not hear them. The sheep did not hear them. A sheep, a lamb... They say, we'll only follow the shepherd's voice. And if there is a, a herd of sheep and there's two or three herds together, 
they say they'll, when their shepherd speaks, only those will follow after their shepherd, and the rest will stay. I thought that was interesting. How did that, man, that's pretty cool. And as true believers, as true believers, we will hear the voice of the shepherd, Jesus. And we will be able to discern and to figure out what is false belief and what is the true gospel. We can, we can ask the Lord. He'll give that to us. We can get in His Word and read it and see what He says. And we as believers must know what His Word says so that we won't be deceived. So we we'll, won't listen to some other voice, if you would. John 10, 27 says it this way. My sheep hear my voice. That is a true believers. And I know them, and they follow me. And I know them. He says, you know, we talk about knowing Jesus. But on that last day, it's not so much if we know Jesus. The Bible says, does he know us? Does he know us? There's a big difference. People know Jesus. They know about Jesus. The Bible says even the demons know about Jesus. But does Jesus, do we, does Jesus know us? That's the big deal. That's the eternal question. Does he know us? The Bible says. One day, one day, we will hear the voice of the Lord. When God pokes his son and says, son, go get your children. And there's going to be a shout from heaven and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God is going to sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first and then we will follow if we're still alive. And the amazing thing about that rapture, when he calls us to meet him in the air, only true born-again believers will hear that voice. And that's what that verse is saying. Only my sheep will hear my voice. That's unbelievable. Seven billion people in the world and only, only, only true born-again believers will hear the voice of Jesus that says, come up and meet me in the air. The unbelievers will not even hear. They won't even know, won't even understand. But the true believers will. Somehow, that's an amazing thought that God's going to do that. Only believers hear the voice when he calls us. Why did Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth? Why didn't he say, y'all come? Because only Lazarus at that point could hear the voice of Jesus. An amazing truth right there, but still amazing. In verse 9, we read these words. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Second point I want you to see about Jesus. Jesus is the door that leads to salvation. Jesus is the door that leads to salvation. Instead of me doing a lot of commenting on that point, I'm just going to let God's Word speak, okay? It's a lot better than mine. Acts 4.12 says it this way. For there is salvation in no one else. There is no name under heaven which has been given by man by which you must be saved. There's only one name, and that is Jesus, if you want to be saved, according to that verse. Acts 15, 11 says it this way. 
But we believe that we are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus. In the same way as they also are. We are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus. Romans 5, 9. I like this one too. He says much more than having been justified by the blood of Jesus. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him or through Jesus. We are justified. Did you know it, Christian Christian friend? We are justified. Well, what does justified mean? It means God has declared us righteous. God has said that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that our the penalty for our sin has been paid. It is as if we had never sinned. Can you imagine? And only God can do that. And the benefit of being justified, well, obviously, our sins are forgiven. Our sin debt has been paid. We can live with him for eternity. The Bible says we are now a friend of God. We are acceptable to God. And we are co-heirs with Christ. All because what Jesus did on the cross when he took your sin and my sin and we made that great exchange. He said, Don, let me give you my righteousness and justify you. And he said, go ahead and give me your sin. You don't need it anymore. Only Jesus can do that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says this. For God is not, just, uh, de- uh, God is not destined us for wrath before the obtaining salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be people of wrath. We've been justified. And then, of course, there's that verse again. I can't get away from that verse. John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The second part of verse 9, just real quickly, it says this. Those that are saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I believe Jesus is the only door that opens to us, that opens up peace, security, safety, and tranquility. Only Jesus can open that door of peace. We find in John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave you. My peace do I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid or fearful. That's peace. That is peace of God and the peace with God. And Jesus says, I'm going to leave you that kind of of peace. Jesus brings peace and security and safety and tranquility. Psalm 46.1 says, God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, it says, I will not be afraid. I will not fear, even though the earth should change. Isn't that great peace that we have as a Christian? That he is our refuge. And when times get tough and times are hard and we don't know what to do, and we've got a call that says, you've got this. The Bible says what? I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. I'm your help in those troubled times. Your world might be shaking right now. But guess what? You don't have to fear because I'm in charge. That's peace. Philippians 4, 7, you know I love this verse or part of this verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Only Jesus can give you that kind of peace.
that surpasses, that makes no sense, we can have that peace. It is available to us. It's at our fingertips if we want to grab it. Because that's peace that comes from Jesus. One other verse along that, and this is another great verse. Isaiah 41.10. Things happen in your life. Cancer calls. Heart problems call. Kid problems call. Life calls. Struggle, aches and pains call. Jesus in Isaiah 41 says this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not fear, he says. I am with you. Do you get it? Children, sheep, do you get it? I'm with you. Do not look anxiously about. <laughs> Things happening. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do, huh? Oh. He said, don't do that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. He says, why? Before, because I am your God. I am your God. There ain't nobody else there. I am your God, he says. And then look what he promises. I will strengthen you when you go through all those treatments. I will help you when you go through the rivers of life that are trying to overflow you and drown you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What a great promise when life tries to overflow you. Jesus is the door by which we can receive peace and security, safety, tranquility. In verse 10, we see this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life. A life more abundant. Jesus is the door that leads to the abundant life. Point number three. Jesus is the door that leads to abundant life. You know, the false teacher. I mean, we, when we read this verse, and, and in my mind, and I always think about this. The thief obviously is the devil. It is Satan. But, you know, he can use a lot of different folks. To do his work too. He can use a pastor or a preacher or a teacher to do his work. It's going to be false, but he's going to do it anyway. And you see, those guys, along with Satan himself, they want to come and steal your joy. They want to come and kill your soul with a false gospel. And they want to destroy you for eternity. They want to destroy you. But the second part of that verse is pretty good in it. But it said, but I came, Jesus came. He said, I came to give you life and a life more abundantly. What does that look like? It is a life without condemnation and a life without judgment. It is a life that we can have constantly in our lives Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. He said, I want to give you that. That's your fruits of the Spirit. And that's, I want you to have that in your life. It's a life that says that sin no longer has an issue on your life. 
I've taken care of that. Sin does not have to beat you over the head every day. Because I've come to give you life and give you life abundantly. He said, I'm going to give you a life that's very satisfying and very secure. Because I'm going to give you a life with a purpose. A purpose and a plan and a priority and a passion, he says. Who would not want that kind of life? I'm going to give you a life that looks forward to eternity. I'm going to give you a life that is you have no fear of death and dying. Because I have told you what's going to happen when you do. The sting of death no longer has an effect on us Christians. Because we know absent from the body, present with the Lord. It don't get no better. That's an abundant life. Just knowing that is enough. It is a life that says you can experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I've got to tell you that again. It's available to us if we want to take it. That kind of life only comes through the door of Jesus Christ. You can only have that kind of life if you've given your heart and life to Jesus. And if you never have, you'll never be in his presence. You'll never be accepted by him. You'll never have the peace of God or the peace with God or the peace of God. It's all about Jesus, folks. And in verse 11, and I'm closing. It says, I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd laid down his life for you and I. And all I can say is thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for doing going through, enduring the cross, despising the shame, the Bible says. And after that, Hebrews 12, 2, says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. Thank you, Father, for going to the cross, saving my soul. In summary, Jesus is the only door to God you want acceptance from God the road leads to the door of Jesus Jesus is the only way for salvation for the forgiveness of your sins and Jesus is the only way if you want to have an abundant life if you want those kinds of things peace with God a presence with God If you want salvation, forgiveness of your sin, if you want the abundant life, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the guy that you need. There's no other guy that you need to get those three things. I pray all of us have that guy in our lives. But if you don't, if you don't have that guy, what are you going to do? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned. That's all of us. The wages of that sin is what? Death, spiritual death. He said, I got a gift for you if you want to take it. And this gift is everlasting life through my son Jesus. Accept him. 
Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he, that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Aren't you glad that he loves us enough to do that? Aren't you glad that he's done it for you and me? Aren't you glad if you want an abundant life, you can have it if you choose to? Aren't you glad he's offered salvation? Aren't you glad that, that we can go into the very presence of holy God? We can go to his throne room, the Bible says, to, to find grace for our lives, it says. To receive mercy for our lives. And to find grace in times of trouble. That's all at our fingertips. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And busted out of that grave. Grave couldn't hold him. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. That's, That's the one I come to worship today. I pray that's the one you've come to worship today. If you don't know him today, I would urge you to get to know him today. Make that decision today. When we have our invitation time and, and, and you don't feel good and you got something here that goes, that's probably not gas. That very easily could be the Holy Spirit saying, son, daughter, you need to do something. You know that you know that you're not one of mine. And when that uneasiness comes, And I'm speaking from experience from a long time ago. I know what it means to be called by the Holy Spirit. He very easily could be calling you today. Let Jesus be the door to salvation and eternal life. Let him do it. He wants to do it. His arms are open wide. Y'all come, he says. All who are weary and heavy laden, bring your burdens to the Lord. As we begin our invitation time, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And as God has spoken to you.